Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Up next, a young girl witnesses her mother's murder. And you said that she's bleeding? But for years, the crime goes unsolved. This was somebody that Crystal knew and probably knew well. A suspect comes forward with an unbelievable tale. And it was just the most bizarre story I'd ever heard in my life. It's completely implausible. But what if the evidence shows he's telling the truth? The DNA come back and DNA does a lie. In the summer of 1992, Crystal Perry bought a small house in Bridgeton, Maine. The single mother thought it would be the perfect place to raise her daughter, Sarah. My mother's number one priority was taking care of me, and she did all she could to, you know, buy a house for us as soon as she could and make sure that, you know, I had a really stable upbringing. Crystal found work in a local shoe factory and by all accounts was a good parent. Whoever you meet to speak with her, they would say she, she worked very hard at the local shoe shop trying to make a better life for, for she and Sarah. It was a steady, peaceful life. But one night, after 12-year-old Sarah had gone to bed, she heard an argument between her mother and a man. I'm woken right up from sleeping with her saying no as loud as she can in the loudest, most terrified voice that you could ever imagine. Sarah didn't know what to do. She opened her door and looked out, but couldn't see anything. Then she heard a drawer in the kitchen open. I heard silverware clanging against each other. After that, I heard a repetitive banging noise, which I figured was someone killing someone else with a knife. Then the screaming stopped. I realized I have to make contact with the outside world and I have to do what I can if she has any chance at living. She didn't hear the attacker leave. She wasn't sure if the attacker was still in the house. Incredibly, Sarah risked her own life and left her bedroom to check on her mother. I saw a body on the floor and I saw a lot of blood. And as I was approaching it, I was hoping that it wasn't her, but pretty sure that it was. Her mother wasn't moving. Sarah tried the phone, but there was no dial tone. So she ran a half mile to a neighbor's house and knocked on the door. But no one answered. She kept running and finally came to a small restaurant. And they said someone's killed my mother and I think this person could be after me. I really need to call 911. When police arrived, Crystal Perry was pronounced dead at the scene. It's a horrific scene. Crystal Perry is lying 
on the kitchen floor. There's blood everywhere. There's pools of blood. There's footprints in blood. There's blood drops. Crystal Perry had been stabbed more than 50 times. There was a bloodshed event that occurred in the living room area, and that extended from that area into the kitchen where she was found. We classified this as a crime of passion because of the overkill, which usually 99% of the time leads it to be somebody known and some, some acquaintance of the, of the victim. Nothing had been stolen from the house, and there was no forced entry. She was in her bathrobe. It was later at night, and for her to be comfortable um, to open the door, if that's what happened, it certainly suggests she either knows them or would recognize them. It looked as if the killer attempted to clean up. While doing so, he tracked bloody shoe prints over the kitchen floor. There were footwear impressions of varying quality and clarity um, all throughout the flooring. Um, Approximately 20 or more were visible. This helped identify the number of assailants. Crystal had bare feet, so either there was one suspect at the crime scene or there were two with the same type of shoe and the same outsole design, so the likelihood of that is low. Bridgeton was a small town, only a few thousand people, and as residents soon learned, one of them was a killer. Because Crystal Perry had been stabbed more than 50 times, there was an extraordinary amount of blood at the crime scene. The fingerprints were too soaked in blood to be usable, but blood spatter analysts noticed a series of blood patterns on Crystal's body that were distinctive. What stood out to us was uh, clearly you could see some blood droplets which were on her leg, on her exposed leg. And when we examined the blood droplets, it was consistent with a passive blood drop. Passive blood drops are almost always perfectly circular at the point of impact. They result from blood dripping straight down from a relatively stationary source. And since these drops fell on top of Crystal's body, it could mean only one thing. They did not come from Crystal. There's no way that she would be able to maneuver her body in such a way that blood drops would come down on the side of her legs. This was an event that happened after Crystal Perry was motionless. That led to one conclusion. The killer was hurt during the attack, and his blood dripped onto Crystal's body. Blood is slippery. Blood is consistency of motor oil. Your hand is going to slip down and probably go over the blade and you're going to get cut. These passive blood drops were also found in the kitchen. There was drips of blood in the sink and on the counter and appeared that he went to the paper towel dispenser and, and got some paper towels because there was no drips coming back towards the body. They were all going towards the sink. Investigators found a shoe in a local store that matched the bloody shoe impression from the crime scene an Oak Harbor model Danny shoe. So they had an idea of what the shoe of the suspect would look like. At Crystal's autopsy, the medical examiner found evidence of sexual assault and collected biological samples for future comparison. In a search for suspects, police turned to Crystal's ex-husband, Thomas, who lived only six miles away. 
My parents divorced when I was three or four, and um, I didn't really have a relationship with my father. He was in town, but I didn't know him very well. At the time of the homicide, Crystal and Tom were not getting along. They didn't care for one another. It may well have been over child support issues. Thomas had an alibi for the time of the murder. He was home with his living girlfriend at the time. But Thomas's alibi was problematic. His girlfriend, Joanne Steger, had a run-in with Crystal Perry shortly before the murder. There was no love lost between the two of them. Joanne is jealous of Crystal, and to the point where, where she had even had an altercation in a local bar one night. Crystal was punched in the eye, and she had a big black eye. They were quickly pulled apart by the, the bar owners. Joanne is actually charged with assault. Those charges were ultimately dropped. But Thomas and Joanne's alibis for the time of Crystal's murder were now considered suspect. Joanne's alibi was Tom, and Tom's alibi was Joanne. Police weren't the only ones who thought Joanne might be responsible. Somebody was always calling, saying Joanne's involved. I'm not saying that she's a girl that could commit murder, but, but uh, she was a tough girl. But Crystal Perry's daughter... Sarah identified another possible suspect. On the night of her mother's murder, Sarah said she thought she recognized the man she heard arguing with her mother. It was her mother's boyfriend, 19-year-old Dennis Butler. Sarah said she'd seen Dennis get angry in the past. I had seen him go from being irritated to being uh, pretty angry very quickly. Dennis and Crystal had a volatile relationship. Clearly, there would be some hurdles with her being 30 and Dennis being 19. Crystal says to a co-worker that there was an incident involving her where Dennis and her got into a fight. And during the fight, it was a verbal fight, and he had showed a knife and made a threat to kill her. When questioned by police, Dennis denied he was at Crystal's home that night. He said he was at his parents' house. His folks had no idea whether he was there or not. Dennis offered to take a polygraph examination to clear his name. Twice he took the test, and he failed both times. Everything pointed to him, everything. And, I mean, the more we get into it, the more fingers begin to point at him. After Crystal Perry's murder, her daughter, Sarah, then 12 years old, was forced to move to Texas to live with relatives. It was understandably a difficult time. When I fell apart, I really did fall apart and, you know, cried a lot and had a lot of fear. I didn't want to be left alone in the house. Crystal Perry's 19-year-old boyfriend, Dennis Butler, was a possible suspect. Butler failed two polygraph tests. It tells us that being deceptive he was not telling the truth on some of these answers, which indicated he was either directly involved or he had knowledge of what took place that night. Butler wore the same size shoe as the footwear impressions at the crime scene. But investigators did not find Oak Harbor brand shoes in his home. When investigators asked Butler for his DNA sample, he agreed, but in return, asked police for a favor in the event they returned to arrest him. He says, I know everything's going to point to me, and so when it does, uh, just, you know, try to give me a little bit of courtesy here. When you come to get me at my place of work, would you come in the back door? Because they've been really good to me, and I don't want to embarrass the business. 
I think in my whole 15 years of homicide unit, I don't think I ever had anybody say that to me. But when Butler's DNA was compared to DNA from the crime scene, to everyone's surprise, there was no match. I was shocked that it did not come back Dennis's. They were all, all in Sherlock. I think they were all probably 99% sure that Dennis was the one. So shocking that investigators had difficulty believing the results. Dennis is such a logical suspect, they ask that it be tested again. The results from the second test were the same. The DNA come back and DNA doesn't lie. And it was not Dennis. The DNA of blood from the crime scene was also compared to Crystal's ex-husband Thomas, his girlfriend Joanne, and several other suspects. But again, there was no match. After the DNA results came back, I think everything was on the table. Everything was potentially possible again. The DNA from the crime scene was eventually compared to the DNA profiles in the database of known criminal offenders. And again, there was no match. With that, the case went cold. Over the next 12 years, several suspects were considered, including a serial killer and a local handyman whose romantic advances Crystal had once rejected. But DNA excluded them both. Eventually... So much time had passed that I accepted that we weren't going to find this person. Then, incredibly, investigators got a break. The statewide DNA database reported a cold hit. A man named Michael Hutchinson had recently served six months in a main prison for a weapons offense, and he was required by law to submit a DNA sample for the database. It matched the semen from Crystal Perry's autopsy. To a mathematical certainty, it was his DNA at the Crystal Perry residence. Michael Hutchinson lived within about a mile of Crystal Perry uh, at the time that this incident occurred. Hutchinson was 19 years old at the time of Crystal Perry's murder. His name never surfaced because there was no relationship between the two of them. They were never seen together. When questioned, Hutchinson made a startling confession. He admitted he was with Crystal on the night of the attack. His story is that he was having a a secret romance with Crystal. Hutchinson claimed he and Crystal were in bed when an intruder burst into the house. He confronted the man in the kitchen, but was knocked unconscious. He then wakes up, sees the man over Crystal, stabbing her, and he runs out the door. Did police find a possible witness to the crime? Or had they found the killer? Michael Hutchinson claimed he had an explanation for why his DNA was at the scene of Crystal Perry's murder. He claimed he was in Crystal's home having consensual sex when an intruder broke in. He said he fled the scene during the attack to protect himself and later was embarrassed to admit it. He said he was ashamed because he couldn't protect Crystal or Sarah. Uh, And he got scared and ran out of the house and and he didn't tell anybody because he was ashamed. 
Even Hutchinson's ex-wife, who had filed two protection from abuse orders against him, insisted he was no killer. I don't believe Michael's a murderer. I don't believe he's capable of it, and I support him fully. But Hutchinson, who worked in his father's construction business, was known to have drug and alcohol problems. We had former girlfriends saying that, you know, he was a nut, you know, he'd drink and get get ugly and get mean. People that we spoke to just said that he, um, he, he was just uh, real erratic during this time. You didn't know what to expect from him. Investigators found numerous problems with Hutchinson's story. First... Crystal's bed looked as if only one person had been sleeping in it. And if Hutchinson had been having an affair with Crystal, why hadn't her daughter ever seen him? I would have known I was living in the house. We really lived as a pair. You know, when you live with a single mother, you know what's going on in her life. The bloody shoe impressions at the crime scene also disputed Hutchinson's story. It appeared from my analysis that there was only one person there at the crime scene leaving down that outsole design when the blood was wet. Finally, analysts compared Hutchinson's DNA to the perfectly round blood drops on Crystal's leg. DNA tests proved this was Hutchinson's blood. Michael Hutchinson was arrested and charged with first-degree murder. Prosecutors believe Hutchinson may have been high on drugs on the night of the murder. They also suspect Hutchinson and Crystal knew one another casually since it was a small town. Prosecutors believe he knocked on Crystal's door and used a ruse to get inside, saying he had car trouble or asking to use the phone. They think his real motive was to make a sexual advance, which Crystal refused. There was a fight. The evidence suggests Hutchinson used a knife, sexually assaulted Crystal, then stabbed her to death. At some point, he cut his hand. His blood dripped onto Crystal's leg in perfect circles. Proof he was standing over her and was not running away as he claimed. The final nail in Hutchinson's coffin was the scar police noticed on his right hand the day they arrested him. We saw the significant scar that ran basically from the palm area across the whole front of the hand. During his trial, Hutchinson testified in his own defense, telling the same story of the intruder. The jury didn't believe him either. Everything he told us was a lie, and, and it, was, it was pretty easy to prove once, once we knew who he was. It took the jury just two hours to find Michael Hutchinson guilty of first-degree murder. He was sentenced to life in prison with no possibility of parole. I know this is a really big day, um, not only for me and my family, um, but that it will also bring peace to a lot of other people. Although it took years to solve the crime, science eventually brought justice to a daughter who never lost hope. I would say the scientific facts in this case really have ruled out any sort of ambiguity that might have been left in anyone's mind. 
it was the investigators that found the blood spot that didn't belong on Crystal Perry's leg, but it was the DNA that really solved the case because without that, we never would have found Michael Hutchinson. If not for forensic science in this case, we, we probably would have put the man, wrong person behind bars.